Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 326 recorded live on Saturday, September 21st, 2013. And here are your hosts, the man whose technology issues are just not funny anymore, Dave Pillay. No, they really aren't. And the man who's honestly run out of jokes on the matter, Andy Lowe. Hi. Well, at least there's that. I do have to point out something, though. Go ahead. So I'm wanting to go into broadcast engineering, right? Yeah. Which, you know, sometimes has to deal with technology issues. Yeah. Because nothing ever, you know, can go 100% all the time. And so... Normally, if you're going to do something, you normally try and, you know, not do it the hour beforehand. I thought I'd be able to get it done. I thought all I would have to do is uninstall the Razor thing, uninstall Skype, reinstall Skype, and everything would be hunky-dory. That shouldn't take an hour. But it's not all hunky-dory, is it? No. Which is why we're on Mumble again. There's no problem with being on Mumble. Makes it easier to remove the silence. Yes, but the problem is the fact that we use a hard cutoff that there is a lot more silence. Well, then just don't remove as much silence. I I don't. Or, alternatively, I could just hold the button down the entire time. Well, yes, but then we'd have huge audio files that I have to uh, mess with. Yeah. That's the other part. If we have multiple people on Mumble at the same time, I put everybody in their own channel. (laughs) Linear growth. The last week's episode, I do believe, was over two gigabytes before I messed with it. How much is it per person, roughly? I guess it depends on how much they talk. Yes, it actually does depend on how much they talk. Was it variable bitrate then? Hold on, let me tell you. Uh, we see. When I talked last week, it was 680 megabytes. So we'll say, let's say 700 megabytes per person for each channel. So it's not too much more. Then when we record on Skype, but it's just Skype automatically throws everybody who isn't me into just one big channel on the other end. Right. But that does make the audio processing a little harder then. Not too much harder because normally I just throw everybody into a level later first before I do anything. Right. It's one of those magic boxes that works so well. But yeah, going back to the point I was trying to make is you were waited until the 11th hour I before did trying wait to fix it. Until, in fact, I waited for like the... 23rd hour or whatever you want to call it. I waited for T minus one hour. And how long really did H- you know about one, this issue? I, I've been working on and off on it for two weeks, three weeks, somewhere around there. What would you recommend at this point, Andy? Mr. I have so much experience dealing with technical issues and broadcast information. You see, now that's uh, it's a misnomer then because most of the stuff that I've dealt with in the audio world has been analog based. And this is a Windows digital issue that has to do something with drivers. Something has got to be messing up. I think Skype is actually messing up. I don't think it's the drivers anymore. But I've uninstalled and reinstalled Skype. So the next step is to uninstall it with Revo Uninstaller and try and clear everything out. That might be the, yeah. Nuke it from space and start over. Yep. Which, once again, I'd like to point out that my Skype is up to date. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. We all know. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Just saying. On a completely side note, um, because I'm doing classes right now, I have made about eight Ethernet cables. Good for you. That's a really good skill to have. Now, when you say made, you just mean crimping your own cable. Yes, crimping my own cable. You you have the cable. It's just you have to attach the ends to it. Yes. 
But now I don't really have to do mono price now if I want a cable because then I could just go to, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot and actually buy the cable and the ends. The crimper might cost some money, though. Yeah, but once you've got that, I mean, that's a one-time fee. Yeah. I find it kind of funny, though, because I'm taking one of the courses being put on by the computer science department and the other course is being put on by the electronics department and they're mirroring each other and I find it hilarious. I mean, isn't that what you'd expect? I don't know, because one of them is basically the software-based side of things, and the other one is actual, like, hardware. So, like, the first class we started, we actually learned, like, how to officially install coax and that sort of thing. The other class isn't going to touch that at all, because it's not... The IT guys normally don't have to worry about that sort of thing. No, not usually. They just have to worry about the bandwidth limitations of coax and how much runs they can go. So they have to figure out where to put the IT closets. Side note, the max distance is right around 100 meters. 100 meters is a long way. Well, yeah, but if you're trying to do, you know, like a whole building, 100 meters isn't that much. No, I suppose not. It was kind of neat, though, because the guy who was teaching the class actually did the network at the school. So he's trying to get approval to actually, like, take us around the building and show us the work that he's done and explain the issues that he ran into. That would be pretty cool. That actually would be pretty cool. But that is not one of our topics. No, no, it is not. We do have a number of them, though. Should we start talking to our topics or talking about our topics? Hello, topics. How are you today? Not not talking to the topics, talking but to each other, said. talking to each other about the topics. You have to clarify. I did. But not right away. All right, so oh, what's shush. going on with Cyanogen? <laughs> you mean Cyanogen Incorporated? Wait, they're going legit? They already are. They've been a company since, like, May with $7 million of financing. Now, when, you know, on, on this show, we throw money figures around because we talk about like, oh, well, Microsoft just bought that for $80 million. But still, this was a, a group of community developers who just secured $7 million in financing. For a third-party Android mod. Device. So wait, no, it's not even an actual, just an, uh, just, it's basically a... Uh, well, no, they, they took Android and recompiled it. They made changes to the kernel and they recompiled it. It's another OS in the same way that uh, GNU is another OS from other Linuxes. GNU is probably a bad example. Mint versus other Linuxes, like Mint versus Ubuntu. Versus Red Hat. Right. Gotcha, okay. So it is another OS, it's just Android-based. I've actually got an Android question I need to ask you. Okay. Is this the time to do it, or should we not do it on the show? Well, I'm just wondering, is it theoretically possible to take somebody's compiled Android app, throw it into some sort of compiler, decompile it, and actually be able to edit the program? Yes. Okay. That's all I want to know. But it's not necessarily easy or common or, you know, legal. Well, okay, because I'm studying for ham radio stuff. And I found an app that actually goes and tests you on the questions, which is extremely helpful, especially if I only have like two or three minutes, I can run through a couple of the questions and that's no problem. The only problem is he uses the outdated questions. So out of the 400 and I think 35 or 85 questions in there, 60 of them are out of date. So I'd love to go into his database and just change those 60 questions to the newer ones and then recompile it and put it back on my phone. Nah, 
so easy, probably. Uh, I would investigate some of the, the file folders in your phone and see if maybe the questions are just written as a text file somewhere. Oh, if that's be nice, that would be very nice. So, otherwise, you're you're getting to be a little difficult, and I would not recommend it. Okay, so Cyanogen has made has gotten seven million dollars. Does that mean we're going to see an Android phone on Sprint with the Cyanogen? Possibly. Uh, it might take a little bit of time before the big names come out with this, which is to say the big four: Verizon, Sprint, AT and T, and T Mobile. Uh, but phone manufacturers, there's one called OPA, O-P-P-A, and they've pretty much already said, yeah, we're building a Cyanogen phone. Okay, so coming from someone who had Cyanogen on his phone. On my G1. And on my G2. Yep. I haven't put it on the new one because they still haven't figured out the Wi-Fi calling issue. Okay. I don't really remember what was really great about having Cyanogen on my phone. So, I mean, aside from a number of features that they just built into it, Cyanogen is Android stripping out the bloatware put on by the the vendors, by the main companies, the distributors, and then putting on other cool features. One of my favorite features back on the G2 and the G1 that I I can't get anymore because they had to remove it for Android 3, I think, uh, was the ability to basically control the color of the screen so i could turn off all of the blue and green pixels oh that nighttime mode yeah leave it as just the red and so it was great for nighttime or movie theaters i actually did that when i went out to um one of the meteor showers with the kalamazoo area astronomy club right actually it was great because i could just turn my phone and say i only want the red pixels and i don't have to worry about killing my night vision Exactly. So you can't do that now on the phones? Uh, not with the newer versions of Cyanogen. I'm sure that the ability is there somewhere, but they had to strip it out of the OS for a little while. Mm. It's a feature request, though. People are people want it back. I would actually like to get rid of some of the Samsung bloatware that's on my phone. I mean, you could also just root your phone and get rid of it. Oh, my phone is rooted because there's then some stuff with you can Casper just get that rid of it. To do. You have titanium backup. I actually don't have it installed on this phone yet. Install Titanium Backup and you can get rid of that stuff. You don't need Cyanogen for that part. I know. Cyanogen is just a, a cleaner install and it's you know got some efficiency tweaks and some other really cool stuff in it. That was actually kind of annoying. That was actually the problem that Kate was having was the fact that Samsung automatically defaulted its calendar on your Android phone rather than Google's calendar. And the two were not able to interconnect. But it wasn't um, inherently obvious off the bat. Ouch. Yeah, that's still actually a little bit of a stickler with these things. But I also like to point out that most of the fancy new stuff with the G4 I haven't touched. Like I, ha- I always make sure to keep my NFC off. Most of the things where I can like control my television haven't tried yet. So are you going to be sticking with the even number galaxies and I'll just stick with the odd number? I'll get the G5 when it comes out. You grab the G6. I will grab the next Android phone that has an actual physical QWERTY keyboard. Ah, still not happy with the the G4? I've you know I have had so many spelling errors on that keyboard. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but think about how many spelling errors you had on the QWERTY keyboard. Not that many. You sure about that? Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, Cyanogen is now a company. Uh, they are still taking community development. It's kind of weird. I'm not sure how I feel about that. 
what is this, the Huffington Post, where they make money off of people's pretty non- much and there's and there's no paid contributor. There's no revealed plan about how to monetize it and make the company profitable. Yeah, I don't know how you could make the company profitable. Well, they could license it. That's how they can make it profitable. But there are probably a lot more other Android mods out there. Well, Android ROMs, sorry. Yep. Paranoid Android is another one. We'll see. I mean, we'll we'll just have to wait and see where this is going to go. But I thought it was rather interesting that... These guys who just did fan development, community development, managed to secure $7 million in funding and made a company. And now they have, like, actual negotiating power. But Okay, I could see one way to actually predict how all this would work if they went to a paid version is look at all of the Linux distros, which ones are paid versus which ones are free, and look at the market share for them. Do you think that would be a good idea to look at into the no. future? No. No, I think you're talking about two completely different ecosystems. I see very easy similarities between the two of them. I see false parallels between the two of them. You're not going to expand upon that? Well, so so look at it this way. If you're going to pay for a Linux system, why would you pay for a Linux system when your alternative is paying for a Windows system? But there are paid versions of Linux out there, right? Right, right. But why would you go with them when you could just go with a Windows version? Why would you go with Cyanogen if you had to pay for it when you could just go for a free version? Uh-uh, uh, uh, no. Dif- that's different. How is that different? Because there's no Windows. There's no equivalent to Windows OS in this in this ecosystem. There's nothing with such a market dominance. And yes, by the way, there are reasons, I'm well aware that there are reasons why you would do a paid version of Linux versus Windows. But I'm pointing out to Andy that there is a huge difference in the two systems in the the phone market, the mobile phone market, where your only choices, really, let's, let's be honest, your only choices are some flavor of Android or iOS. And you really can't purchase iOS. Apple has a rather tight control on that. Uh, So your choices are going to be free versions of Android or paid versions of Android. Whereas in the PC market, you have free versions of Linux, paid versions of Linux, or Windows. Okay, you're right. So there is a little bit of a different marketplace for them. Right. I don't think you can compare the, the phone market with the PC market. All right. So speaking of the phone market... Yeah? BlackBerry's got issues. This ain't no surprise. I, wait, is Research in Motion still around? Uh, maybe, but not for long, it looks like. Uh-oh. They are expected to report a net operating loss of between $950 million and $995 million for the quarter. They lost almost a billion dollars in a quarter? In a quarter. Ow! What the fuck? One of the analysts is quoted as saying the company has sailed off a cliff. Yes, they have. And you know what's the worst part? The golden parachute that their CEO probably has. Yeah, we were actually talking about this in our class when we brought up uh, the first 10 minutes of my software side of the class. Uh, we actually bring up news around the area. It turns out most of the class is paranoid. But we also talk about, you know, topics like Dell buying his company back and that sort of stuff there. And then we somehow got into the golden parachute talk. And oh, my gosh, I felt like we were already about to start a revolt if we didn't get off the topic quickly enough. Revolution is coming, man. The uh, shares in BlackBerry, well, shares in RIM dropped 23.7 percent. Ow. Yeah. 
27? 27%? 23.7%. Okay. Well, even so, that's still a lot. That's a quarter. Yeah. What what is it when you buy it on margin? Was that it? What when you, you do the reverse, you wanna you wanna oh you short sell it. it? Yeah, when you short sell it. Yeah, where you say, hey, I'm going to buy it at this percentage in the future or something like that. I don't remember exactly how it, it's stuff. like you sell it before you actually have it. Yeah, because that's legit. Hey, what about options, man? That's really freaky. Where you don't actually own the stock, you just own the option of buying the stock at a certain right. price. Right. And then you can cash it in when the stock price goes up. It turns out most of the people who buy and sell options don't actually ever cash in the options. They just sell them to other people who cash in on the options. Yeah. Short selling is the practice of selling securities that are not currently owned with the intention of repurchasing them later at a lower price. I, so just to, to put that in like real terms, that's me going to you, Andy, and saying, hey, I'll sell you this computer for $500. I'll give it to you sometime in the future. You pay me the $500. And then later on, I said, you know, that computer is actually kind of worthless now because there's been all this other stuff going on. I'll buy it back from you for 100 bucks." Yeah, I think so. That's the, the idea of, of short selling. So on another note about this, BlackBerry is planning on cutting about a third of its workforce, Ow. which is around uh, 4,500 jobs. Ow. Man, they are not doing well. No. That's rather unfortunate. Because you think about it, they were basically the start of the smartphone revolution, and then... Whoa, whoa, hold on there. I mean, yes and no. There, mean yes and no? Well, Palm Inc., I think, gets to, to claim the, the true foundation of that, right? Being the first PDA? Well, yes, but they was the first... Was, was there any PDA with phone capabilities before RIM? That I don't know, but I mean, that, that is such a, a minor leap of logic. Uh, like, oh, we can put a microphone in it. Oh, we can connect it to a cellular network. Very true. I, yeah, no, I, RIM certainly has done a lot of innovation. Certainly, I mean, they've got tons of patents out there, but I'm not comfortable saying that they're like the founders of the mobile phone, the smartphone market. They certainly were early pioneers, but there were people before. Yeah, it's probably IBM doing something funky, because that's what IBM does. Yeah, sure, we'll go with IBM. It'd be I'm a cool actually now looking up the history project. of smartphone. The IBM Simon is supposedly considered the first. Yeah, I think if I were actually you know teaching and I had uh, and I had a class where we did technology, this would be a fun little project of like go do the history of something in technology. But most of the oh god, sorry, somebody was talking about the GUI interface, and they had said, "Oh yeah, Apple was the inventor uh, of the GUI interface." Xerox. I know. I was trying to explain to him that it was Xerox and Parsec, and he's like, "No." And sometimes my professor is wrong, and I want to tell him he's right, but I don't want to make fun of him. He's wrong, but you want to tell him he's right. No, tell him that I'm right. Ah, and he's wrong. Sorry. Uh, I mean, just go print up something or you know say hey you know there's a really good movie you should watch called pirates of silicon valley <laughs> yeah most of the class has actually seen it i don't think he's seen it yet though yeah because no apple didn't invent the gui no no he didn't and then he was claiming about how microsoft has sold it from apple which i'm like yeah that's actually well depends on your point of view of history microsoft claims they stole it from xerox everybody was stealing from xerox heck right. the mouse was stolen from xerox what, what was bill gates's line about like 
Uh, no, Steve, it's more like you had this rich neighbor named Xerox and went to steal the TV and I stole it too. And those two were fun together whenever they got together in the same room. Now I feel like I should go back and watch some of the uh, All Things D interviews that Walt did with them. I think it's more we both had this rich neighbor named Xerox and I broke into his house to steal the TV set and found out you had already stolen it. So speaking of televisions, yeah, Steam and the big picture. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Steam's big picture mode or the big picture of Steam? How about a little bit of both? Okay. Because something is happening. What? Well, we don't know. We won't find out for another, as of this recording, 47 hours, 48 minutes, and 50 seconds. Is there a countdown timer somewhere? There is a countdown timer. If you go to our topic called Steam's upcoming announcement or something like that. Steam's announcement coming. Sure. I wrote that awkwardly, but okay. Teaser page? Yeah, there's a teaser page coming. 47, 48, 32. Yeah, because last week, you know, did we talk about that, how Gabe had his little speech last week? We did not. Oh. Well, that probably... I mean, it's it's a it was another thing about like, hey, there's an announcement coming. Yeah, that he did a uh, keynote at LinuxCon. So Gabe was yep. talking for a good, you know, I so minutes. we didn't have a bet on this, but I would like props for calling that the development of Steam for Linux was leading to this. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. The Oh, hey, look at the, right when the early rumors of the Steam box was coming, I'm like, well, but they can't do it because of Windows. And oh, my God, that's why they did Linux. The Steam box will be Linux. You don't remember that? No, I could see that. Right. God so, yeah, damn, why am I not an industry analyst? You could be. We just need to get you in a suit and get you posting press releases to all the gaming websites. I don't know what that would accomplish. I don't know. How the heck does Pratcher get all of his industry analysts? Where, where do they there? get? Where do they get money from? <laughs> Who pays these analysts? I don't know. So anyway, there's two pictures on the site. Uh, one is kind of a blue star. It's a stereo image of the sun. Oh. Stereo the satellite stereo or stereo stereoscopic? I could look at it with 3D glasses. I think stereoscopic. I haven't figured this out. Because it, there it was... doesn't look stereoscopic. I know. Which, I hadn't figured that part out yet. And the the post that I actually had posted to, they had edited the uh, page. Because before, they thought there was a whole little ARG thing going along with it, until I mean, that, it turns out there wasn't. Right, it, it would be a very Valve thing to do to put an ARG in there. I was kind of wondering if there was. Well, for about 20 to 30 minutes, maybe about an hour or so, people thought there was, because one of the Valve guys had posted on his Twitter page something about it. If you actually look at the page that I linked to, there that little bar at the top that looks like it has a bunch of numbers on it. The page you linked to, where, what? Okay, so Not the, the topic. The, the steamdb.info page oh, that I linked to. Yeah, okay, I see I see a couple numbers up at the top. That was the actually image. the background image of somebody's uh, Twitter page when they had actually posted the three little images that you see on the Steam teaser page on their Twitter feed ahead of time. The zero bracket, zero bracket, zero plus zero? Yes. Or those might be parentheses. So yeah, he posted those ahead of time before this Twitter page, and then he changed the background of his Twitter page to something that was like that with a whole bunch of numbers, and it was like joules per kilogram, uh, heat decay charts on his Twitter page as well. And so everybody was like, what's this? This seems like ARG sort of thing. So everybody dissected everything, and then suddenly posted to his Twitter page, hey, is this ARG related? He's like, no. So then everything got shut down very quickly. Are you lying? No. Are you sure? 
No. I just love how as soon as Steam posts anything, everybody automatically thinks it's ARG related and then dissects the hell out of it. So were there any conclusions about these three symbols? Nothing concrete. It was a lot of speculation, especially people like combining the symbols together and Dota is supposedly in there at some point. Mm. But we'll, well find we'll out find on out. Monday. Yep. And then there's a cat with a controller. Looks like the controller's made out of cardboard. Dave, don't think too much into it. You'll well, go down the rabbit hole. I'm just looking at it. Doesn't it look like cardboard? Yes, it looks like cardboard. Okay. So, yeah, in a period of time, actually, by the time this goes live, it'll be a very short period of time, um, Steam will make an announcement, and they will have two more announcements in the week as well. So our next episode will probably be filled with something Steambox-related. Steam. I'm going to laugh when they basically released the Xbox One as it was originally intended. No one complains. Because it's Valve. Yep. Okay. So that's Steam. What else do we have? Um, let's see. What other we got here? Video game related. Oh, Blizzard is shutting down the Diablo 3 auction house. Both auction houses. Both auction houses? I thought it was just the real money one. And the gold-based. They are shutting down both auction houses. Because they said the auction house was affecting the core gameplay of Diablo 3. Yep. Well, no shit. People are going to pay money to get cool shit. Like, that was the whole point you made the auction house. And instead of, you know, playing Diablo 3, people just spent the money to get the cool shit. Well, but they did get the cool shit for the purpose of killing other monsters. I mean, that's why you buy equipment. True. Now, having not actually played Diablo 3, did this really mess up their whole gameplay of Diablo 3? No, because you still went and killed shit to get loot. So what was the big issue then? I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this. Well, you have plenty of time to figure it out because it's not actually going to be shut down until March 18th of next year. So you will have plenty of time if, you know, you're still playing Diablo 3 next year. I haven't played Diablo 3 in months. Have you played GTA 5? Uh, for about 20 minutes. I got a PlayStation 3. Came in the mail. I don't get cool stuff in the mail. Well, I ordered it. I'll get Assassin's Creed 4 in the mail next month. Cool. Yeah, I've I've been busy playing a different game, so I haven't really had time for GTA 5. Well, Take-Two has announced that they've made $1 billion in sales with GTA 5. In which, the first three days. Yeah, the three, <laughs> that's one announcement. Is Take-Two has sold a $1 billion worth of GTA 5. And the second part of the announcement is they did it in three days. I believe that is now the best-selling, as in, like, fastest-selling video game in history. I wouldn't doubt it. And you also now sound like you're in a box. I'm in a box? Did you do something with your microphone? I did nothing with my microphone. Well, then I don't know what the hell that was. Okay. Am I out of a box? Yes, you're fine now. Very strange. Very strange. Yes. So, yeah, GTA Five made a whole lot of money very quickly. I know this isn't on our topic list, but uh, GameSpot gave GTA Five a 9 out of 10. And started getting ridiculed in its comment section on the post about it. Not for, you know, giving it too high of a number, but giving it too low of a number. What? There were people complaining on GameSpot that a 9 out of 10 was too low of a review score for the game. That it's that good? Yes. I mean, I've played a it 10 for like, out of 10. No, no. I've played it for, for 20 minutes. It's not a 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's... Oh... I want to play, but I'm not that interested in it. In GTA 5? Yeah. 
I'll let you borrow it. You have it on the PS3. I'll let you borrow it. You're going to let me borrow a whole freaking console? It's a tiny PS3. It's so tiny. It's so, it is so tiny. Like, it's really, really tiny. So speaking of Sony, this Sony Vita TV is actually, they're thinking about doing it outside of Japan now? Yeah, so they had a lot of really positive response to it. Uh, as the announcement came out and as people realized what it was. And so Sony's talking about, well, we'll keep an eye on the situation and maybe and possibly if it does well enough and if there's enough demand for it that we could look into maybe theoretically doing it outside of Pan. It's very wishy-washy. Yeah, but it's there. So it is possible. But that's it. Would you get it now that you have a PS3? Maybe. I mean, I also have a Chromecast. I also have GameStick on the way. I mean, I'm running out of HDMI ports. That's what Monoprice's HDMI switcher is for. Okay, but I'm almost out of HDMI ports now. I don't want four, a switcher. Four HDMI inputs, two HDMI outputs. It's what I have. I haven't actually set it up yet, though. <laughs> okay. I also need to set it up. Our uh, Blu-ray player can do streaming from a media... PC, so I need to set that up so there so we can actually just stream the stuff straight from my computer to the TV. Chromecast player, Chromecast, <laughs> telling you makes it so easy. But once again, I'm using up another HDMI port. Yes, there's only three on the television. That is less fortunate. That's why I got the switcher. I have four on my TV. So staying in Japan. Yeah, Hiroshi Yamauchi. Is that how I pronounce it? Ouch. Uh, Would you like me, to pronounce let, it? Let me look at his name again. Hiroshi Yamauchi. Yamauchi. No, Yamauchi. So Yama, which is mountain, Uchi. Yamauchi. Yamauchi. You see, this is the problem. When I read these news stories, You're like, there's no actual pronunciation <laughs> with the name. Mr. Yamauchi. Yamauchi. I think would probably be the best. Yeah. Uh, founder of Nin... Not founder. No, no. no definitely Nintendo's not way older than... Nintendo's like 1879. Not founder. His great-great-grandfather was the founder. Oh, sorry. His great-grandfather. One yeah. too many greats there. So yeah, definitely not the founder but of Nintendo. This is the guy who oversaw the transition of Nintendo into a video game company. Yes. When he started the company in 1949, Nintendo was started making... Started at the company. Okay, yes. Started at the company in 1949. Nintendo was making playing cards. When he left the company in 2002, they had already released the GameCube. Yep. So that puts you in a perspective of what he did at Nintendo. I mean, most of it was like, hey, we've got people who are doing stuff. Let's let them do it. And I always love how he professed not to understand the fascination with video games. Like, I I don't get it. Like, it sells. I I don't know why, but it sells. So whatever he did, especially, God, if you think of the amount of people that he worked with, like the big names in video games, like Miyamoto. Uh, I think this guy knew enough. Many more than that, but yeah. Well, yeah, but he knew enough. To let the people who actually knew what they were doing do it. Yep. I wonder and if this guy's got an autobiography, autobiography or not. Uh, I don't know about an autobiography, but I'm sure there are biographies. Probably. Probably something to read if you're ever interested in project management. Potentially. You have to remember it's going to be, you know, Japanese society. Things are a little True. different. But good for him. He did a fantastic job. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he passed away. They say what he died of? Complications uh, due to pneumonia. Yes. Ouch. Well, he was 85 at the time. So on a slightly lighter note, this is not a posted topic, but it's something that I wanted to bring up because it was really, really interesting. Uh, There's a new condition 
called Auto Brewery Syndrome. Oh, the guy who can make beer in his belly. Yes. Also known as Gut Fermentation Syndrome. Uh, he was a home brewer, and yeast from his brewing process decided to take root in his digestive tract. And so anytime he started eating any sort of, of grain or carbs, the yeast would start chowing down on it and converting it to alcohol. So this man could get drunk off of a loaf of bread. Yeah. That's he could cool, actually get then, drunk off like two slices of bread. That's cool, but then that's also horrible. Yep. Definitely starting a gluten-free diet then. It's not just gluten. Yeah, any, any carb. Oh, that would be God. rice, wheat, potato. He could get drunk off of french fries. Oh, that's... Oh. I mean, that's... Ow. Whoa. So also, speaking of a lighter topic... Yeah. Do you remember the old saying, nothing beats the bandwidth of a station wagon full of backup tapes? Yes. Well, it's a it's a pretty old saying because, you know, nobody really does backup tapes anymore. Well, they actually do. Well, yeah, I know. But Google is actually the largest purchaser of, of magnetic, magnetic tapes. Tape, right. So that makes me really wonder, how deep is Google's deep storage? Storage is cheap. True. So somebody decided to update the saying and said, decided to figure out what's the bandwidth of a Subaru filled with micro SD cards. Oh, God. And the answer is? Well, he first figured out how much micro SD cards a super, uh, Chevy Suburban could hold. Okay. Which is 19,141,092. Okay. Which works out to 1.2 billion gigabytes. Which is 1.1 exabyte. Yes. So he, he got his storage space, and then he was like, well, we need to drive it somewhere to figure out bandwidth. So he decided to drive it from New York to L.A., which is about 40 hours. So he figured out the bandwidth of a Chevy Suburban filled with micro SD cards driving from New York to L.A. is 68,057 gigabits per second. So 68 terabits per second. Yes. That is still a lot. So it really, well, I mean, there's the issue of actually reading the data off of how many 19 million micro SD cards that was the uh, first comment of this post. Okay. If it was actually uh, a single computer reading and writing all of these, yeah, it would take 1,000 and 1,565 years to fill up all these SD cards. Right. If it was just one computer. Now, if it were a massive, massive parallel processing unit? 43 minutes if you could do all of them at once. Plus the time to insert? True. But just if, if you had to read one of them at one time, it was 43 minutes. So if you did all of them at once, 43 minutes. But yeah, you'd have to take into account the effect of actually putting all the SD cards in the machine, writing to them, pulling them out, putting them in the Suburban, then driving it, then unloading it, then putting them yeah. into... So that's why magnetic tape was better, because it was just physically bigger. There were fewer to put in. Yes. But still, I thought it was kind of fun that people are still doing that. Well, what about sneaker nets? Still could be viable. Yep. Sneaker net, by the way, in case you're not familiar, is the idea of carrying the network with you as you walk in your sneakers from place to place. I.e., rather than using your local area network to transfer files from one computer to another, you put a little flash drive. Yep. Copy to the flash drive, flash drive from one computer to the other, copy them off the flash drive. But sneaker net as in the shoes as opposed to sneaking around. 
Yes. We actually sort of did that when we gave Catherine her laptop, is we put a, a flash drive in there with a bunch of stuff on it. Nice. What sort of stuff? Stuff. Military secret stuff? No. Because, I mean, she'd be in a better position to get that than you would. That would be highly ironic. But no, just lots of different stuff. Porn? No. Okay. That's what the internet's for. It is indeed. Tell me about Wii Sports, Andy. Okay, so you know how Wii Sports was like the killer app for the Wii? Yep. I mean, it was bundled with the Wii. But it was like the game that everybody played. Because it was bundled with the Wii. True. So you, the basically, you Andy, you can't say that it was the killer app when they gave it. Oh, that's like saying Internet Explorer is a killer app. Wouldn't it be a killer app? No, people didn't buy Microsoft for Internet Explorer. True. People didn't buy a Wii for Wii Sports. It came with the Wii. Anyway, it was a big hit. Can we just agree that it was a yes, big hit? For absolutely. The Wii? Like everyone loved it, but I, I wouldn't say it was a killer app. Well, what about Wii Fit? Wii Fit was pretty impressive, and it was an interesting way to sell a scale. Well, both of them are coming back to the Wii U. Ooh, do I get to use my old equipment, or do I have to buy a new scale? Well, funny you should say that. Okay, so first off, the Wii Sports is coming back, and you actually don't have to... There actually, You can't actually buy all of the Wii Sports at one time. Each Ooh. sport can be bought for $10. Huh. So you can buy just tennis... Or just bowling for $10. Okay. Or what you can also do is just spend $2 and rent them for 24 hours. Hmm. So like I'm having a party, I rent it and just leave it there so that people can play it. Yes, for 24 hours. And then that's all you get. And then it just goes back. Okay. Okay, so that's that's Wii Sports. Yeah. The fact that you don't actually, you, you actually can't buy it all at once. You have to either buy it one sport at a time, or you can rent it for 24 hours. Okay. Wii Fit is actually a little bit more confusing. Wait, ha, oh, <laughs> okay. Go slowly. Okay. The game is free for the first three months to anyone who already has the balance board and a Wii U. So if you previously purchased the game and you have a Wii U, it's free. For three months. Okay. After that three which, months. Which is actually pretty good, because that's about how long Wii Fit lasted for a lot of people. I would say that'd be on the high end for a majority of people. Right. Like, most people didn't last more than three months. But if you did last for more than three months, and you still wanted to play the Wii Fit U, you buy the $20 Wii Fit meter, which is a pedometer with more fancy stuff added to it, for 20 bucks, mm -hmm. and then the Wii Fit U will remain free for another month, and then I think stay free forever. Huh. So, Nintendo is doing crazy experimenting. Yes. Okay, so yeah, so we you download the game between now, well, November 1st and January 31st of next year. You enjoy the game for three months, free. Then you can purchase the Fit Meter for 20 bucks. sync the Fit Meter with your free version of Wii Fit U at any time, and you can keep using Wii Fit U forever at no additional charge. I'm... okay. Yeah, this is an interesting idea that they're doing. I'm not sure how to... to I don't know how to take that. Well, here's another uh, caveat to the situation. Mm -hmm. Reggie has said that if you have a basic Wii U model or your system is short on space, you want to get an external storage device before downloading Wii Fit U. Okay. It's, Which is basically... It's too big? 
yes, it was too big for the original 8 gigabyte Wii U model that started out. That's impressive. So now the new model is 32 gigabytes, and that one should work. But basically, the 2012 version of the Wii U is now incompatible with, with Wii Fit. With Wii Fit U, which is coming out this year. Wow. See, this this does make me long for the days of like the Nintendo 64 or the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation or the PlayStation 2 where they didn't depend on cycles or they didn't depend on, oh, we can update it later. It was, here's the console. It's done. Anything you want to make has to fit. Yeah, here's a box. Fit your stuff in the box. Heck, that was actually that's actually somewhat of an issue now with GTA 5. Because you, you've played it, so you installed part of it to the hard drive, right? GTA 5? Yeah, I mean, it's on the PlayStation 3. It automatically installs things to the hard drive. But, okay, so with the Xbox version, there's two discs that I do believe came with GTA okay. 5. Yes. One of them was labeled Install, and the other one was labeled Play. And you are not supposed to install the Play disc. No. If you install the this sounds vaguely familiar. I Andy, I think console technology just caught up to the mid nineteen nineties PC. So the idea is that it's actually using basically both the pipes at the same time. It's reading off the hard drive at the same time that it's reading off the optical disk drive. Mm-hmm. Good for them. But that's the fact is that it's you had a box and they had to try and fit everything in the box and they couldn't do it. So they're like, well, we'll just do this workaround. Right. It's a pretty cute little workaround until people start installing the play disc yes or downloading the game directly from the playstation network so they don't have discs and well the playstation network, PlayStation network doesn't matter andy no right ps3 well i i suppose because yeah i guess it does matter you're better off with paying, the disc yeah you're better off buying the disc than you are buying the digital download because the digital download is basically the discs just in digital format and they're both on the hard drive which would be tantamount to installing the play disc. Yep. My my comment was on the PlayStation 3, there is no play disc in the sense that there's just one disc. But it's one disc split up right. two ways. Right. You still get the same effect. Yes. So yeah, Nintendo's doing something funky. I'm very curious as to how that's going to turn out. So are a lot of people. It's, it's, hey, there's a lot of digital stuff that are in there, but then there's also, wait a second, you mean my Wii U from last year is already out of date? That's a little disheartening. Yep, that that's kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, that's really actually very stupid. Atlas! Remember we talked about Atlas and that they were, they were going up for sale? Yes. That well, they, they were bankrupt? It. Yeah. Sega! Of all the companies, purchased Atlas. Of all the gin joints in all the world, you had to get bought by Sega. I don't even know Sega had $140 million. Sega's doing fine. Are you kidding? What have they done lately? Published games. Lots of games. I'm All right, what's the last game Sega has put out? Uh, I don't know. Let's find out. How about Total War Rome 2? No, that wasn't Sega. Although it says it's on Sega's website. I think Sega might have helped publish Total War. Huh. They've Football actually Manager got... Football Manager 2014, Total War, Total War Rome 2. Company of Heroes, that's all Sega. So how's that for answering your question? God, there are a lot of affiliated studios with Sega. So they're not really... Sega's not really a developer. They're just a publisher now. Mostly. I think they still do some development, but they're they're basically just publishing. So I guess you will get some more Trauma Center series. Yay! 
That was such a fun game. I want them to make it for the phone. I want them to publish it on Android. That actually would be kind of neat. Trauma Center on the Android? Yeah, because you're using your fingers as the stylus. Right. I mean, it, there there wasn't a lot that couldn't be done with the phone. Yeah. So speaking of football and such. Are? Yeah. You remember how we talked about how EA's CEO was stepping down? Yeah. Well, they found his replacement. And it was the head of the EA Sports Division, yeah? Yes. Well, the senior VP of the EA Sports Division. Okay. Oh, right. Because, uh, uh, shit, what's his name? Former Microsoft. Peter Moore. Thank you. Peter, Peter Moore moved over sports. to the COO part right. of EA. Holy crap, speaking of sports, Ohio State is 55 to nothing at the half. Oh, boy. Ouch. Let's see how bad Eastern is doing. Eastern's game should have started. Yeah. It, against Ball State. We're down 27 to 6 at the end of the first. Ow. Yeah, this is probably not going to be a good homecoming. Not really. So yeah, the EA Sports head is now going to be leading EA. Does that mean we're going to have annual EA releases for every single title? I don't think so. But it means that their servers will shut down after two years. Every EA game is only good for two years, and that's it. No, come on now. It's not like he's going to run the whole company like he was helping run the, the one division. Well, the analysts say it's a good fit. I don't know enough about his history to make a call. Well, he's been in management for EA for over a decade, so... Uh, also, because EA is a uh, publicly traded company, his salary has actually been posted. And he makes... He will be paid a base salary of $800,000 with a target bonus salary of 150% of that, in addition to stock options. So, a lot more than we make. Yes. His predecessor was making a little over a million dollars in base salary before he resigned. But between the bonus and the... E uh, equity compensation, the base salary accounted for just 9% of his total compensation for the fiscal year of 2012. God damn. You know, I bet I could run the company not terribly. That's ridiculous. His base salary of a million dollars was only 9% of his total compensation. Holy shit, Batman. Yep. They're making a lot of money. Okay, so he joined EA in 2000, and he worked in various roles, he was part of the Asia Online Publishing Group and also the executive producer of the FIFA franchise. Hmm. He is also the first EA Studio executive to actually climb to the position of CEO because, you know, Peter Moore went to COO. So this is the first guy that they haven't pulled from outside. Yes. First guy who actually climbed the ranks. That's, I, that's good for him. He's making a lot of money. whole lot of money. Making way more than I think I ever will. Yep. Kind of unfortunate and upsetting. That's life. Yes, it is. So wait, Pinterest is adding ads? Pinterest is at So Pinterest is, is not profitable. It's a web company. It's it doesn't need to be monetized. Profitable. But it's, I mean, do they even have like a Pinterest pro or full account? I don't think they do. Well, let's Google how Pinterest makes money. Pinterest makes first move to make money with test of promoted pins. Yeah. They don't make money yet, but they're going to. So Pinterest has a huge user base, and they are now starting to promote pins from companies, which eventually they will then charge the companies to promote their pins. So they're pulling a Twitter. Yeah, pretty much. Where companies are going to pay them to be at the top of the heap. I've never actually used Pinterest. Have you? I've seen it used. I've never used it. I love how the fact that they worked through $200 million in funding last year. 
Oh my god. Yeah, we don't have any sort of monetizing option yet, but we'd like your money anyway. We anyone want to give us two hundred and fifty million dollars? Every so often, Andy, I, I have the thoughts of going back and rebuilding Lend Two and then shopping it around for venture capital funding. I've actually had a patent idea that's been floating through my head for a while, but I won't say anything about it. This is what happens when you're working at a nine to five job where you have a lot of time to think. I have zero time to think at work about things that are not work. I'm kept fairly busy. Oh, I'm busy. It's just menial tasks, kind of like Albert Einstein working at the patent office. Hmm. Except if you worked at a patent office, you could patent your idea. (laughs) Yeah, that would actually make sense. So the International Space Station... Yes? ...has been in space for a while. How long is a while? Well, the first module was was launched 15 years ago in November, so almost 15 years. Good for them. Which means it's actually starting to near the end of its life cycle, according to the mission statement for the International Space Station. Huh. Yeah. But, no surprise, they want to keep it going. Well, yeah, I mean, it's still there, and it's still running. What would the replace... I mean, is there even a plan to replace it with something else? Probably not. But the idea is that... um, Originally, they they wanted it to work until 2020, so we'll have another six, seven years. And then? Well, now they want it to go to 2028. Okay, so another 15 years to come up with a replacement. Yes. Without a shuttle program. Yes. It's going to be a race. Do we get another space station or go to Mars? Or, like in the movie um, Armageddon, do we use the space station as a jumping off point? That would be cool. Um, not sure. I mean, so launch a bunch of smaller ships to build a bigger ship at the space station. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Could be done. You know, until we actually get a space elevator working. Yeah. But what is this? Civilization? (laughs) Side note. Um, I know we didn't talk about this, but the pit boss version of Civ five is live. The one with the extra server? No, not the extra server. That's okay. the downside right now. They still haven't yeah. done the extra server yet. So if we did a pit boss game, somebody would have to leave their computer logged in. And running. And running the entire time. Why can't they just pass around the save file like they used to do? With a play by email? Yeah. Technically you could. Just set up a hot seat one. I know, but it's not built in that way. No, it is not. You could mod it. Maybe. Bet you that mod would get promoted pretty quickly on the steam workshop oh yeah oh this is kind of funny they're actually planning on replacing the batteries in the international space station in 2017 when they have a year left no 10 years left okay right 2028 well the new batteries will actually keep the system healthy through 2020 so that's part of their extended plan have these batteries been replaced yet probably not Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that, especially since the major hauler of space station components has been grounded. The shuttle. Yeah. I, I think mean, we were like the... We, we didn't uh, build all the I modules, the, but the I think Soyuz we... Soyuz probably took up most of it. Really? I thought we took up a bunch of it. We took up a lot, but so did the Russians. Hmm. We'll have to look through that at some point. The history of the International Space Station. There's got to be a book out there somewhere. If there isn't... Andy, I've got a project for you. I've got three book ideas that I haven't told anybody about. Well, now you've got a fourth and you've just told everyone. Damn it. Sucks to be you. We'll see. So, um, should we talk about the random review and random topic since we've been here a while? Sure. Random review, it is your turn this week. Speaking of books, 
Oh, crap. I would like to review Dan Brown's Inferno. Dave, what are your thoughts about Dan Brown? I hate Dan Brown's writing. I mean, unless he's changed significantly since Digital Fortress, I well, hate let's see. his writing. In Inferno, the book starts out with somebody dying. All right, so that's the same. Uh, it has the same protagonist as Angels and Demon and The Da Vinci Code. Has he just written the same book five times? Let's see, there's also a secret society in the book. I repeat my question, Andy. It is pretty similar. Andy, has he written the same book five times? Now, were you there when I was in the middle of reading all of his books when we went to Potbelly's on State Street? I don't think so, no. I think I was with Hansowitz at the time, so he might be able to back me up, but I think we literally like dissected every single one of his books and found out all of his tropes and basically could write our own Dan Brown book if we wanted to. You should so do it. Fifth book idea. Write a parody of Dan Brown. It wouldn't be hard because there are a whole lot of similar things. Let me just say, though, this book, he did take some of his tropes and twist them. Okay. I don't want to say which ones because... I, I like the idea of you you spoofing Dan Brown. I really like this idea and think that you should start working on it. It should be your NaNoWriMo project. It wouldn't be hard. And then you could just self-publish on Amazon and just say, like, it's a, it's a spoof. It's a parody. You could just... Book, you could you could probably could sell it around and see if somebody could actually pick it up as an actual legitimate book. Right. As a parody. No, not even as a parody. You could take his writing. No, I mean, you could, but it would also be more fun to actually directly make fun of him. What would you do, though, as the secret society then? Dan Brown worshippers? People who actually take these works of fiction and realize that there's actually truth in there as a, as a hidden thread that blends all of the books together. Right. Dan Brown could be, like, the final antagonist in the, the story. You could take Dan Brown and write a Dan Brown book about it. Yep. So and that, yeah. that all the books are the secrets. Yeah, you could have the main protagonist going around and actually, like, studying classic Dan Brown novels instead of classic works of art. Right. Following the trail of his books from place to place. So, yeah, in case you haven't figured it out, there's a lot of similarities with his other books in Inferno. This one uh, handles Dante's Inferno, hence the name. Okay. So if you liked his previous books, you'll probably like this one. That's that's a very safe bet. <laughs> if you like repetitive Dan Brown books, hey, look. Well, it's it's not repetitive, repetitive, but there are the, the similarities in all of the books. This one actually throws it a little bit of a twist because the main protagonist wakes up with amnesia. Great. So, so he can do the same things over again. That's actually part of the thing is he's following his own trail. For part awesome. of the book, he's like, hey, a lot of the characters are like, what are you doing back here? He's like, I don't know, but I guess since I've been here before, I'm on the right track. Huh. Pass. Yeah. So what about you? You you say if they like Dan Brown, then go for it? Yeah, if you like Dan Brown, it's right up it's his alley. It's more Dan and, Brown. But I do have to say there are a couple of twists there, so it's not the same Dan Brown, but it's definitely Dan Brown. It's not as bad as the ending of The Lost Symbol. That ending was just bad. Ugh. But I, I definitely liked this one as much as I liked The Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Okay. So yeah, that is my review, which has turned into a review of Dan Brown in general. I still think that we need to write a Dan Brown book about Dan Brown. Random topic. Okay. okay. Andy, you could even have the book break the fourth wall and reference itself as a Dan Brown book. I could see that, yeah. That would just be so... I mean, Okay, anyway, random topic. Random topic. 
rolled ahead of time. What is the difference between cheap batteries at the dollar store and the standard brand name equivalents? Uh, failure rate, quality, price, and length of power, like how much power they produce. I was actually just going to say it's the basic actual materials that the batteries are made out of. Yeah, well, that's along the lines of quality. I was saying quality of the material. I mean, they're both going to be uh, whatever, not nickel cadmium. What what are most batteries, alkaline batteries made from? You would think that the dollar store batteries are actually alkaline batteries, but they're not. They're not? Okay. No, no, they're not. Well, there you go. In they this actually case, have to be. In this case, you get what you pay for. I'm actually trying to figure out the... Uh, because the batteries actually have to be called specifically certain things. Like there is a, a zinc carbon battery that has to be marketed as general purpose. And there are other batteries. Like if you go to the dollar store and you see the heavy duty or super heavy duty batteries, those are zinc chloride batteries. So, okay, so your average alkaline battery can normally do about, I think it's what, around 2,000 milliamp hours. Some of the newer ones can get up to 3,000. Okay. These zinc chloride batteries, so the heavy-duty batteries, yeah. are about 1,000 to 1,500 milliamp hours. So they last half as long. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and those zinc carbon batteries that you'd probably find at the dollar store, 400 to 900 milliamp hours. So don't buy them. Well, if you just need a battery for like an hour or so... Then, then it's okay. I guess, but it's still just, they're not good batteries. Yes, they're very, very, very cheaply made. And they're definitely, you know, not like the lithium-ion batteries or the nickel-cadmium batteries. Right. Or the nickel-metal hydride batteries or the nickel-zinc batteries. Are you just reading off of Wikipedia? Half reading off of Wikipedia, half actually remembering stuff that I had to learn from electronics class. Okay. Well, I, I think that's it for the differences. It's a pretty clear-cut random topic. It is. I've actually found out there's a lot of people who actually randomly go out and just test the batteries for cost and milliamp hours to figure out where the best place is to buy batteries. Mm-hmm. Like Consumer Reports, I think, does this like every single year. They just go out and test all the different batteries to see what's the best power per cent ratio. And it actually turns out the best place to buy batteries is actually at Ikea. What? Yeah. The Ikea battery I, if, packs if are actually If you live like, near an Ikea. Yes, you have to, you know, live near an Ikea. But normally they have the best cost-to-power ratio. Okay, I think that's it. Yeah, PC Magazine had done a topic about that. I'm actually pulling it up there to see okay. the next best one that's, you know, not an Ikea not battery. Not Ikea. Really, you're taking this article and splitting it into more than three pages. Stupid page view counts. And no, I don't want to sign up for your thing or your, uh... Waiting. 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 Andy, our listeners want to go. It looks like the Radio Shack Enter Cell is the best one. That's not IKEA. My God, Radio Shack actually has a use. I know it's crazy. Okay, are we done? Yeah, I, I, yeah. The batteries are there's. That's what the difference is. The materials that they're actually made out of, and the cheap batteries are cheap for a reason. Yeah. And <laughs> tech tip: buy your batteries at Radio Shack. It seems. Evidently so. I'll have to go stop at a Radio Shack and see if they're actually there. See if they have batteries. Okay. Instead of, you know, cell phones? Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Indeed, indeed. All right, so I guess that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail 
at rapodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you.